it's basically about uh, civilization versus anarchy. The invader is the evil spirit who comes back to the city. And the, the city has a king. Uh, there's the king's mother and daughter. They represent stability and uh, civilization. And the invader wants to overthrow all that. So in the original play, he um, he's in the forest outside the city. He's playing his wild music, and this draws the women of the city to him, and they become wild beings. And um, then in Mark's version of the story, which is slightly different, uh, the king's daughter has been very much protected living up in the palace environment. And the play hints at a kind of unhealthy relation between the father and the daughter. And there are several references to being overprotective and wanting to uh, keep his daughter from reality with the world outside. But she hears the spirit playing outside and she is drawn to, to join him in the forest. Um, the king is a very interesting figure in that he suffers a lot from self-delusion. He's in denial. Uh, he pretends this is something, all right, they've all gone away into the forest, but they're going to come back. It's nothing to worry about. It's only a passing phase, etc., etc. Um, but ultimately, um, it's his daughter who will kill him, who's drawn out into the forest, surrounded by the wild elements, and is killed in that. So it's a very dramatic story, and in the opera we're doing, there's lots of violence and there's lots of sex. Uh, so <laughs> that has been a, a very dramatic uh, theme to work with. I discovered that there have been numerous adaptations of the original play, uh, some of them into plays, some of them into operas. In fact, Hans Werner Hentz's opera, The Basarids, is based on the same story. And uh, there's uh, at least one American composer who's based story. So it's obviously um, something which has drawn a, a lot of composers, a lot of playwrights to, and putting their own spin on it. The connection with the 1100th anniversary is, of course, the Vikings. So anyone going to see the opera, I have to make clear, they're not going to be seeing people wearing horned helmets and, and so on. But uh, there are many references and, and allusions in the opera to what could be the Vikings invading the city of Waterford, which they did 1100 years ago. What was a new experience for me as a composer was that I didn't have a libretto complete. I had the outline of the story and we were under uh, time constraints to do the workshops for the Arts Council. and. Uh, it, it was a very unusual experience because we would sit down and talk about scene one and Mark would go away, he'd write the libretto, he'd give it to me and we would do scene one and then on to scene two and then so on. Uh, I've, I've written a lot of choral works, I've written oratorios, I've written cantatas where you have the, the full text in advance so you can plan um, like the climax is going to come at this point here and then there's going to be a contrast after that, etc, etc. But we were very much working in the dark. And uh, I think for Mark, this was a new experience because he was used to 
writing poetry that might go through various drafts before it was finished. So when he sent me uh, scene one, I set it to music more or less straight away. And then he would ring up and say, um, I'm not sure about that scene, and I might make some changes. And I had to say, I'm sorry, it's too late. I've already set it to music. <laughs> but uh, So we, we were both in the dark and, and groping away. And it, it worked, I have to say. As it progressed, from the musical point of view, I wanted to tie in all sorts of loose ends because I think in a satisfactory story and in an opera, there has to be a feeling of resolution when it comes to the, the end. You, you have a tension between certain elements, whether it's, it's in, a, in a symphony or an opera, but particularly in a stage work. And I felt it was very keen to, um, to tie these in so the audience wouldn't be going away saying, I wonder whatever happened to that character or you know, what, why didn't that develop, etc. So uh, in that sense, it's in eight scenes. So when we got to about scene five, it became progressively, uh, well, we just had to be more careful about it to make sure that the pieces of the jigsaw would eventually fall into place. Fairly early on, we decided um, that there were going to be eight scenes and that there were two climax points in the opera. First of all, when the daughter joins the spirit in the, the wild forest, um, she's told that on her way to meet him, she will meet a bull and she must kill the bull with her bare hands. She must tear it apart, tear out its heart, etc. And this is hugely important in the opera. It's, it's very symbolic because in doing so, she releases the full power of the spirit to wreak havoc on, on the king, which is ultimately what he wants to destroy civilization. So that was a climax point. The second climax point is when the daughter actually kills the king. So we knew though that's where we were heading. And an obvious point, I suppose, would have been to write it in two halves. So the first four scenes finishes with the killing of the bull, uh, scene eight finishes with the killing of the king. But we both felt instinctively, no. Um, and we talked about this quite a lot, and I'm not quite, certain the reason we felt it shouldn't be four and four it should be five and three and maybe it was something to do with the golden section the golden means that the climax is normally two-thirds the way through so that's that's where it happens the, the bull is killed at the end of scene five and then there's the interval and people go off and have a few gin and tonics whatever and then <laughs> there's an interlude to to scene six which begins very gently and then gradually the, the uh, drama is built up again. So the killing of the king actually comes in scene seven. And then the final scene is a lament. The last two people standing are the daughter and the mother. And there's a kind of reconciliation between them. Though it is a tragedy, the, the king's been killed. But we felt that last scene was enormously important. And as a composer, it gave me a chance to use it as a, a sort of musical recapitulation of some of the ideas. For instance, scene two is a, a duet between the king and his daughter. And as I've said, the king has these uh, over-familiar feelings for his daughter. And it, it's really a love duet. And then I've 
used to recapitulation of some of the themes in that in the last scene where there's a reconciliation between the mother and, and the daughter. So it was a big dramatic canvas to work with. And one, while I was very aware all the way through, I was working on uh, music a bar at a time, but at, yet at the same time needing to see where the finishing post was.